0: Hello. Welcome to another episode of Saturday, Saturday the 14th. 14th. Uh, I am Maggie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here uh, to talk some semi-horror movies. Normally it's straight up horror. This
1: week I think we're a little bit on the edge. Yeah I mean I do think that the movie is scary. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean I remember watching when I was a kid and I was scared. I just don't think it is quite as traditional horror. I think it's just kind of changing things up a little bit. But like if you take the movie you put it all at night and if it were like a boogeyman instead of a shark then it would be a completely a traditional horror movie. Yeah, and I actually do have a lot of feelings about the way that the shark is shot in terms of, like, he
0: is kind of shot like a horror villain in a lot of times, so I think there's there's something to that. Yeah, but so,
1: if you couldn't tell, we are going to be talking about Jaws today. We are! It's shark time! Really fun movie. Um, a little slower than I remembered, I'll be it's honest. It's long, dude. It's a very long movie. It, it probably is could have so been, long. like, 20 minutes shorter than it was. Yeah, a lot of that boat stuff could have,
0: I think, been cut down on and it would have been fine.
1: Yeah, but... Before we get into that, why don't we talk about some of the recent stuff going on in horror? Yeah, so it's kind of a—it's
0: been a wild week. Um, it has been certainly. Pet Cemetery. There've been other trailers out for it before, but I think the longest trailer so far came out. Yeah. Uh, just over this past week, and it looks pretty
1: intense, dude. It looks amazing. I'm excited about it.
0: I have hesitations about how much they gave away during the trailer. I think that that's a common trailer complaint. It is. I think it's especially
1: hard when there's a movie where everyone knows what the movie is about. That's true. So, like, it's not going to be a surprise. Like, oh, he brings his daughter back from the dead. Because, like, that's the whole point of Pet Sanitary. It's been a popular right. story. They did switch it, though. In the book, it's his son. Oh. So that's different. Well, I think if they knew it would be a kid.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. I haven't read it. I started reading it when I was in high school and I was going through a little Stephen King binge. Um, and it is so sad because... I'm going to ruin part of it for you if Please you're okay do. with that. So there's this part, spoilers, um, like right before Gage, who's his son in the book, who gets killed. Um, he runs out to the road and there's this whole section where he's like, he's talking about like his dad's like, oh, I, you know, he goes out and gets him and then kind of describes them like, how it's a, a lesson that he learns from and like he spanks them really hard and he knows never to go and do anything like that again and he manages to grow up and they look back on it like fondly and they laugh about it and there's like several paragraphs i think about that um and then it's like well n- actually what happened is that he runs out into the street and he gets killed so there's like that thing where they build up like the denial that his father kind of builds around it, where, like, mm. you don't want to believe that it happened. And so they kind of let you believe that it didn't happen, that something else happened. And uh, and I was reminded of that because I was trying to figure out why it affected me so much worse than, like, other Stephen King books did. Um, and I was reminded of that in, like, an article that I was reading or the comments on an article that I was reading about the remake. Uh, and that's literally the part where I put down the book. I was like, I can't. I'm like, I just can't do this shit. It's too yeah. sad. It's so sad. Like, it's it's... I read
1: a lot of Stephen King when I was like in middle school and high school. Yeah, um, probably too much for the
0: age I was in middle school. I think reading that's some like of this. a lot of people have their Stephen King phase in middle school.
1: Yeah, I read it's just f- fucked up Four Past Midnight, which is the novella grouping mm. that has Secret Window, Secret Garden in it. Okay, because I'm a big Secret Window fan. Sure, I was all about the Johnny Depp when I was like twelve. Before you knew better. Before I knew better. <laughs> I'm still, in a pretty enjoyable movie though. If yeah? you go back and watch it, right. um, it's pretty interesting in definitely a creepy movie but okay. I wanted to read the novella and so I did and then there were a couple others in there that were also really terrifying and really messed up yeah. and I was like this is some of the worst stuff I've ever read um, but I still went through the phase I went read like Carrie and Christine and Cujo and yeah. all those all the big C's mm-hmm. yeah he's a great writer we've he's... talked a lot about him I love him I'm a big Stephen King fan go Stephen King but, yeah I'm excited to see It's Pet Cemetery when it comes out I think it's gonna be really cool I don't know if I'm gonna read the book before or after um, we spoke in our last episode about how reading Bird Box before watching the movie kind of ruined it a little bit yeah I keep forgetting that because literally I've been like
0: well I have to read Pet Cemetery before the movie comes out even though I have multiple times gone on this podcast and been like read the book
1: later so I think I'm going to wait and read the book after I, I to read a good plan. um I've been really wanting to read The Stand so Ooh, maybe I'll get into that I've
0: heard that's his finest really yeah or one of his best I know a lot of people who really like it's it
1: it's very long so it'll yeah it'll take me months. Boy. but hey dude I just started Dune
0: and it's a Fucking doorstop. I have no idea how I'm going to get through it. Oh, man. But what can you do?
1: And then in addition to Pet Cemetery, the new trailer for Child's Play dropped this week. The first official taste of the new Chucky. I know. Starring Aubrey Plaza. Yeah the I kid's did not, mom. I did not realize that she was going to be the mom in this yeah, until I, I saw it. that. It's a weird choice, but I'm into it. It is. Um, and a lot then of weird choices. The kid looks interesting. Yeah, it's all AI going crazy and killing people instead of like having a serial killer possess the all. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. We'll see how it comes out. I'm excited in the sense that I think it's going to be really relevant to today because I think that like in the 70s and 80s and 90s like, people were scared of serial killers and that being a real thing. You don't really hear about people being as scared of serial killers now they're more fascinated by like what they used to be because you don't have serial killers in the same way not in the same way but there are still serial killers out there there are but i think it's just so much easier to find them and catch them than it used to be like we have dna evidence that's really strong now um the vast majority of people when they're caught confess these days also true um so it isn't like this crazy mystery as much anymore like i mean the zodiac killer was a very long time ago yeah so I think that I think that's a good way of looking at it a lot of the fears that people have today are like what is the future of AI I mean I went to an office a couple of weeks ago where I actually saw machine dog things that looked very very similar to the ones that were in that like episode of Black Mirror oh where shit. they're chasing and like killing people and like I saw literally like what that is going to turn into so that is yeah okay I'm with you on that one I think, I think the feeds- kid's a little too old though
0: that's like, my he other main complaint. He old. seems too old to have a toy like that.
1: I just think that uh, this movie will feed well into the fears that we have today in 2019.
0: Yeah. I'm interested. I'm excited to to see what happens with it. Yeah, same. I mean, I'll definitely check it out. We'll see. Tim has so many feelings about
1: it. that Of course he does. We'll see. It's he has a lot of feelings. A, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not a foul-mouthed little boy. Anymore, <laughs> um, unfortunately, but I mean, there's also going to be a TV show with that's the true. Universal franchise. So that's
0: the like the OG Chucky. Where yeah, he's OG still Chucky's getting haunted. a TV show,
1: and then the new Child's Play is a complete reboot. That's a different franchise. Interesting. So um, both are going to exist. Tim will still get the Chucky that he knows and loves. Just now, there's going to be a different version. Well, that'll go a long way. I yeah. think he'll appreciate that. Um, but speaking
0: of big boys. <laughs> A beautiful transition. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of big boys, let's talk about the biggest boy of them all, shark. Jaws,
1: Shark Boy, Sh- Shark Boy, and, and Lava, Lava Girl. Girl. <laughs> no, there's no Lava Girl here. It's only Shark Boy. Only
0: Shark Boy. And Shark Boy is a 25 foot long shark. Yep. He eats
1: a lot of things. He does. He is the true star of the show. However, he is. and he the is- show, as we mentioned, <laughs> <is> called Jaws. <laughs>
0: It's been a hell of a week, everyone. It really has, guys. Um, So, Jaws uh, was released in 1975. Um, Directed by Steven Spielberg. It was. It was his... At the start, I believe his... Or when he signed on, it was his, like, second theatrical directorial situation. But I think by the time it was released, he had another one that came out in between them.
1: Um, Music was done by John Williams. Yeah, it was. Um, And it, it was
0: written by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb, based off of the novel of the same name by Peter Benchley.
1: And it stars Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Lorraine Gray, and Murray Hamilton. Yeah, and I just want to put in there that this was edited by Verna
0: Fields because a lot of times um, the editors get overlooked and a lot of times the editors uh, for these movies, particularly in the 70s, were women. And so whether you know it or not, uh, a woman most likely um, ultimately shaped what your
1: favorite movie looks like. Hey! And uh, shout out to Verna Fields. Um, I do want to go back to this John Williams thing for a hot sec before we get into the plot. John Williams, in my opinion, is the modern day Mozart. and I He's have, brilliant. He is, but also he steals a lot, as did Mozart. Yeah. And Mozart made music for his operas which were the, like, 1700s version of movies, which we now enjoy today. So that is true. That is my theory. Beautiful. Um, but it is worth noting that this theme was definitely, like, lifted from other music. Like, he is not the person who's like, oh, my God, these two notes. He's like, no, I he mean, heard it elsewhere. Yeah.
0: So I like the story that, like, when he first showed it to Spielberg, Spielberg thought he was joking because he was like, oh, man, I got the perfect, like, motif for the shark. He was da-da. like, da-da, da-da, da And he was just, like, playing it on, like, a little piano. Like, it didn't have, like, the strings or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> Steven Spielberg was like you're kidding because that's just two notes but then it's the most memorable one of the most memorable soundtracks of all time
1: but yeah it's definitely a ripoff of Dvorak's New world Symphony so like he took like this little thing that happens in the New world Symphony he was like I'm gonna make an entire movie music score out of this part of this Dvorak thing. great artist copy good artist nope got that backwards good artists copy great artist steal it's true so and uh, he's a great artist. But I can go into. I am going to write an essay on how John Williams is just Mozart.
0: Okay, I love it. That'll be up on the website
1: in ten thousand years. Ten thousand <laughs> when it gets finished. <laughs> um, so
0: the budget for this one was nine million, which is a good amount. So that was, I think, the original budget. I believe they ended up going like. Over. I think the final budget was like twelve million or something like that, which is still not that much. It was at that point in time. though, 1975, that was, like, bonkers.
1: Yeah, but then it ended up making over $400 million. Yeah, it kind of turned it around. Yeah, you know? so good job, team. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Probably didn't hurt that this movie was
0: rated PG. Yeah, so we were kind of talking about that as we were finishing up watching this today. Um, there wasn't really a PG-13 at this point in time, and I think we discussed this when we talked about Gremlins as well. Yeah. Um, so there was just PG and R, and that's like a pretty big gap. And this
1: one fits really weirdly in the middle of that gap. But it's like more violent than a handful of R-rated movies I've seen. I mean, it doesn't have like the cursing and stuff like that. There is a lot of blood in this There's movie. a lot of blood. There's a lot of just like body parts. Like you see a leg just floating through the ocean after it's been ripped off. You have like some guy holding up like a decomposing woman's hand. Like these are things that today would never get a PG rating. No, yeah, it would not be PG at all. But you were saying that there's some crazy stuff that got cut out.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple scenes where like the the deaths, uh, and we'll kind of touch on those as we get to them in the in our synopsis, are like way more violent than they were um, in the final cut. So, you know, it could have been worse, could have been bloodier or better. It depends on the way that you view it. Does bloodier equal better? I think for a horror movie podcast, bloodier equals better. I'll right? take it. Yep. All right, so let's get into the deets on this. Yeah,
1: so we start off with a little beach bonfire party on Amity Island. I like that they just call it Amity Island, New England. Yes. Which is not a state,
0: that's just a section. That's like, this takes place in, you know,
1: Brownsville. Southwest. I like, wonder if they did that to make sure that they didn't like fuck with any local economy maybe. issues. Like if they made a movie about shark attacks happening off the coast of Massachusetts, do which you is think definitely that summer, what it is. It, like it's it's they shot it
0: in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, and like it, it looks like Martha's Vineyard. Yeah.
1: But do you think that Martha's Vineyard then could've had an issue with sharks in it where people were convinced they would have shown up the next year? Maybe. I mean I wouldn't be
0: surprised if that is part of it's like the, the shining thing where they didn't let them use a real room in the hotel exactly yeah, I, can um, see that.
1: I mean even like it almost even looks like it could be like Balboa or something even though it's obviously supposed to be New England like it's just kind of like a generic little beach town that yeah. isn't super clear. Yeah. Although they do talk about the accent, so. And um, someone they come up from like Greenwich and stuff. Yeah, somebody to go talks up the about town. coming up from yeah, like um Hartford or something like that. Yeah, as yeah I well. think the guy comes up from Hartford and his family lives in Greenwich. but They right. used to be Islanders. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm an Islander. But anyway, there's a young woman, Chrissy Watkins, who is looking real seductively at a very drunk boy across the fire. Yeah, they're all sitting and
0: smoking and drinking and having a good time, and so she's like, "Let's go." off somewhere and he's like cool so they go wandering off along this this beach section they're gonna go skinny dipping and
1: yeah she's like oh, let's go swimming and she's like stripping off all of her clothes and he's stumbling behind her attempting to take his off he's but he's having a very rough drunk. time yeah. he's yeah. like I can swim I just can't walk right now <laughs>
0: It's good for him that he did not get in the water for a number it probably of reasons. Is. So she's like bounces on out into the water and she's waiting for him. And uh, while she's like hanging out there treading water, she gets
1: fucking shark attacked. Yeah, there's this thing where it looks like someone just like kind of like pulls on her feet underwater mm-hmm. to make her like come up, like to go under the water, which I think is actually what happened, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Basically, they had people under there. And they did, they, at first, they were telling her when it was going to happen. Uh, and she kept reacting weirdly when it was going to happen. Uh, and she knew it was coming. So they just like yanked her underwater at one point. She was
1: like, what the fuck? And I do think that it's interesting because the first couple times it happens, she's like looking like, what the fuck? But she doesn't look like she's in pain. Yeah, that's weird because yeah. it's a shark. I know. But she ends up screaming and being in lots of pain and dying a very sad death. And he is too drunk to come help her. Yeah. The, the shark had a happy night, though. He got nice and fed. Big I t- guess if big you look tummy. at it
0: from the shark's angle, it's a very good week followed by a really rough day. <laughs> you know? Um, so the next day, uh, somebody finds her body on shore, and we see uh, the new chief of police in town, Martin Brody. Originally from New York. Originally from New York, but he inexplicably decided to move to an island even though he fucking hates the water.
1: Yep. Good call, Can't Brody. stand it.
0: Um, and he goes down to check her out, and uh, apparently it's so bad that, like, people are vomiting, although you don't really get to see her body, but, like, you can imagine. You get, to see, attempt, you get to see the hand. You get to see hand. pretty messed up. Yeah, and so he's like, okay, that's not good. Um... And so he's like, this is a shark attack. The medical examiner is like, this is a shark attack. Brody's like, we need to shut the beaches. And he, like, tries to, like, set up beach clothes signs around town. And the mayor is like, I don't think so. Hell
1: nah. And he talks to someone. They kind of decide that this was definitely a... Boating accident. Yeah, like, that the propellers, like, cut her up or something. Yeah, it's
0: fucked up because he's like... So obviously they're a beach town. It's right before the Fourth of July. Everybody's going to be coming into town. The mayor doesn't want the town to lose all of its business, and so they go out to like visit um, Brody while he's like trying to go get like people like these Boy Scouts that are out doing swim tests. He's trying to get the man off of the water, and he's like, "Well, you know, we talked to the medical examiner, and it could be, it could be a boating accident." And the medical examiner's there, and he's like, "Yeah, no, it was. It could be a bike, could be a boat, it could, be a boat. It could be a boat. Totally, it's a boat." And he's like, you guys are idiots. It's not a
1: boat, but whatever. Okay." Um, And so they go out to the beach and think Brody is trying to watch in order to make sure things don't get worse and all that. But yeah, some old guy wearing like a really bad hat comes up to Brody. And he's like, yo, Brody, I hear you hate the water. And then we get the classic line. That's some bad hat, Harry. Which everyone knows from Joss Whedon's. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Production company, like end title card thing. Yeah. Which is beautiful. We were watching it and Paul was like, I had no idea where that was from. And I was like, to be fair, it's a really bad hat. It is. And I think the reason he says that is because he thinks it's a shark fin when it's in
0: the water, right? When he's swimming, it looks a little bit like a shark fin. It kind of pops up at the top. Yeah, that makes sense. And so he's like freaked out and he's staring at him. And then he's, you know. So Martin is on the beach and he's trying to keep an eye on stuff. And we also get a really cool shot uh, in this. This is like a famous camera move where
1: yeah it's the hitchcock thing
0: yeah well it's i i know it wasn't from hitchcock but that's i always associate it with vertigo yeah so it's the vertigo shot but also a lot of people i think know it from from jaws and it's where um when the shark finally does attack and shit is really going down um you get this close-up shot on brody's face where he seems to stay like in the same place in the foreground and then the background like warps around him and the way that you do that is you have, um, like, a camera on, um, like, a dolly, and you're dollying out while you're zooming in or dollying or vice in while so, you're yeah. out. You can, I think you can kind of do it either way, depending on the effect that you want. So it's like you have to be – for his face not to go out of frame or, like, move it's around so or anything specific. like that, you have to be, like, on point.
1: Yeah. So it's a cool shot. I bet it's probably automated now. Probably. I'm sure you can – have if you want to do that. Yeah. But, I mean, at the time – it is. Just such a very specific, the movement seemed to be so perfect. And yeah. And it looks so good. It looks amazing. It's such a cool but shot. It's one that's used, I know, in Vertigo um, in, in and in a couple other Hitchcock movies, too, I think. He really liked that shot. Yeah. But anyway,
0: um, there is a shark attack on the beach. Yeah. So and... everybody's, all of the kids are out in the water. And he's like, this is very bad because there's a fucking shark out there. But he's also like, he can't say anything about it because then he'll like be sh- shit-talking the mayor, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, so they're all sitting there, and he's like trying to be normal and not be super weird, even though he's being super weird. Um, and then we see a dog swimming around. So there's this dog swimming and swimming and swimming. He's got his stick in his mouth. And then at one point, you see this the guy whose dog it is calling the dog back in, and the dog is not out there. But you see the stick floating. Mm,
1: so it's I like, miss that. Fuck,
0: there's a shark out there, and he kind of notices that. And then people start screaming because there's this kid on like a floaty device that just gets pulled under. And there's just, like, red blood everywhere. Mm, It's like a geyser of blood. And the original, this is one of the shots that would have been worse if everything had gone according to plan. And there's photos of this that you can find online. There are, um, like, test photos of the shark jumping up out of the water, like, bringing his whole head up out of the water to, like, grab the kid and pull him under. But the shark didn't work out, apparently, so they had to just...
1: Yeah, it looked a little fake. Yeah.
0: That's the issue with the shark is that... A lot of times, the shark did not look great. So they had to kind of work around that.
1: I mean, but honestly, them working around that, like, having him be, like, an off-screen monster, I think Mm -hmm. makes it a lot creepier because you don't really know what to expect. You know it's something big. Right. You know that it's scary. You know that it can hurt people, but you don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, it's that nothing-is-scarier type
0: situation where it's, like, if you don't know what to expect... That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody gets out of the water and people are running in and grabbing their kids and he's trying to get everybody out and finally everybody gets out to safety and they're you know, all the kids are counted for except for this one lady who comes along and she's like, Where's my son? Where's my son? Alex, I think his name is. Yeah. And she realizes that like that's the kid that got taken.
1: Yeah. And so they end up having a whole town hall meeting type thing where they put a bounty on the shark and Quint, who is a shark hunter, kind yeah. of stereotypical, like crazy captain guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like, oh, I'll do it if you pay me $10,000. And
0: the way that he like announces his presence is he's sitting in the back by a chalkboard, which he has drawn a doodle of a giant shark eating a dude on. And then he just drags his fingernails down the chalkboard until everyone stops talking, and then he's like, you all know me, you know I make my living, and I'll go out there and I'll find it for five and I'll kill it for ten. And they've, like, been offering $3,000 for this shark initially. Yeah. And so people are like, I don't know
1: about that. And so, um, but the offer to the group of around $3,000, they did not go with Quint, obviously, because he's expensive, but there are all these boats now that go out into the harbor that are trying to catch this damn shark. Yeah. And And they're, like, gonna die. Oh, yeah. But they're also, like, it's a conversation. You can hear, like, what's 3,000 split four ways again? And, like, all these people are, like, super excited. They're going to be the ones to catch the shark. Mm -hmm. And then they catch a shark. They do catch a shark. And
0: kind of around the same time that this is happening, when all the boats are going out, we see this young kid arrive uh, at the dock. His name is um, Matt Hooper, and he is a very young Richard Dreyfus. Uh, He's like, well, he's not like a kid. He's like 27. Um, But he's an oceanographer who used to live. His family used to be islanders, as we mentioned. Um, He's the guy who used to be the islander. Uh, And so he's there to sort of investigate. And he'd like to get pictures of the shark. And he'd like to see what happens with the shark if it gets caught. Because it's an unusually big shark. And most sharks don't act this way. And so he's kind of there to advise. Um, And so he takes a look at... Chrissy's remains. Yeah. At the body. And he's like, I can't believe anyone said this is a boat accident. Like it's this like, is very, very not.
1: clearly not. And he's able to kind of figure out the bite radius of this thing and in doing so realizes how abnormally huge this shark actually is. Yeah. So then when the
0: boys out in the boats do end up catching a fish, by which I mean a shark, when the boys the out in the a fish. Yeah, no, it's a Yes, no, dolphins, dolphins are mammals. mammals. Sharks
1: are fish. <laughs> we good.
0: All righty. Yes. So when they catch their big shark fish, um, they bring it in, and it's a tiger shark, and everybody's like, fuck yeah, we got the shark. And the thing is, tiger
1: sharks are man-eating tigers. <laughs> sharks. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> so the thing is that tiger sharks are man-eating sharks. And it is a big shark, and it is there out of season. So, like... Hooper comes in, he's like, there is a chance this is the shark kind of. And the way that we should do it to make sure, cause the bite radius seems too small on this shark is we need to cut it open. And find out. And the mayor's like, I am not cutting open this shark. And having these spoils, like, remains, like, pour out over the dock. Like, up is Which is legit. Is that? Like, that
0: yeah. is, but, like, why not take it somewhere else and then cut it open? He's like, no, you're not cutting open the shark, because if we do it here, then it'll be horrifying. But also, like, you could just go anywhere else. Do it, like, 20 minutes later when yeah. people aren't there anymore. Yeah, like, there and, are like other clear options. the crowd out. Be like, we have to check on this. We'll keep you posted. Like,
1: a lot of the stuff the mayor does is very, like, is from the right place, kind of. Yeah, it's like he doesn't want
0: his town to go under, and, like, he's got to look out for his economy. And,
1: like, economy. Not, the economy would be hurt not only this summer, but, like, if this summer everyone knew it was a shark attack, no one would come back the next summer, and the summer after that, and so you lose so much economy overall as a little city, and, like, it could really hurt things. So I understand, like, why he did it, but he just did it in a really dumb way. But it's, like, that lack of forethought
0: where it's, like, people are still gonna find out if a
1: shark keeps fucking eating people. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, okay. no, 100%. Like, it's, it's right, just... Um, you know. Right intentions, wrong actions. Yeah. So... But Hooper's, like,
0: not convinced. So he goes to Brody's house and, like, brings him two bottles of wine, which Brody, like, fucking downs.
1: Yeah. He, like, pours. drunk.
0: Yeah. He just, like, dumps most of a bottle of red wine, which it's established that Hooper is very rich. So it's probably, like, really nice red wine that he's just, like, chugging yep. at
1: dinner. Um and, and so at uh, some point he pours it and Hooper's, like, he goes to drink it. Hooper's like, no, you need to let it airy. Oh, never mind. Because it's gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I honestly love Richard Dreyfuss as, like, He's uh, so good in this. He is hilarious. And I was thinking about um, if you could recast this nowadays, who would you want to cast? And I think Donald Glover would be a perfect Matt Hooper. Because there's something oh, about that, so like, good. weird, casual, like, fuck you delivery that's, like, oddly charming, but, like, still really casual. I
1: think Donald Glover would be very good in that. I think he'd be fun. That's my thought. I'll have to think about who else would want to do in the other places. Yeah.
0: The other ones are harder, I think. Definitely. I don't know who, if there's a Quint type
1: still out there in the world, you know? Do a community reunion and make it a uh... Chevy Chase. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, just,
0: can you imagine? No, that would be horrible. Can you imagine Chevy Chase doing the USS Indianapolis speech? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, does that mean that um, Brody would be a... Uh, Joel McHale. Yes. He's way too hot to be Brody.
1: I just want this to be a single episode of community now. <laughs> where, they where they're all just, <laughs> just like the different characters from Jaws. <laughs> Except what you'd have is you'd have like Abed and Troy both being Hopper together. Like it'd yeah. be like the two halves of Hopper as a team, <laughs> where there's like the really like smart, intelligent side, and there's like mm-hmm. the charismatic fuck you side. Chang would be the shark. Yes. Oh yes. my god.
0: Anyway, <laughs> back to business. Um, So they get really tanked and he's like, well, you know what, we could just go down there and cut open the shark and see if he's in there. And Brody's wife is like, can you do that? And Brody goes, I can do whatever I want. I'm the chief of police, which is a badass line. I love that. And he does not bring that energy to the first half of the movie at all.
1: No, I think he's trying, like, he's new. He's trying to follow the rules. And then he realizes, like, by following these rules and, like, being scared of the ocean and all this shit, like, I'm just hurting everyone. Like, I need to actually take action and do things and not let the mayor run my life. I think it took him being drunk in order to realize that. And that's why he's like, fuck this. I'm just going to do it. I'm the chief of police. I can.
0: Yeah. So they're like, all right, we're going down there. So they go down, they cut open, there's no remains. There's fish remains, but there's no human remains inside. So they're like, okay, not, not it. Um, and so they decide that they're going to go out onto uh, the water in Hooper's boat, which is big and fancy and has a bunch of cool equipment on it because his family is fucking rich. Yep. Um, and they're going to go out there and they're going to find the shark and see what, you know, what they can come up with. And instead, they find one of the best jump scares in this entire movie, and honestly, one, some, one of I would say one of the b- best jump scares I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're out there and they find a like a wrecked ship, and they're like, okay, we'll go check it out and see what's down there.
1: Um, and they find a, sh- a, a shark tooth. Yeah, so there's a single shark tooth that is like embedded into the wood of this boat because mm-hmm. it like clearly attacked the boat. Yeah, but it is a massive shark tooth. It's huge.
0: And so they're like, great, we got this. It's evidence we can bring it back. Bigger shark, not that same shark, and then we'll close down the beaches. And so Hooper grabs the um the shark tooth and he's pulling on it and he has it and then as he's going up he passes like a window or a bitten out section of the boat and just a head pops out. Oh my god, It's so creepy. It is fucking
1: terrifying. I screamed. I think it seems like this are why this is considered a horror movie still. Yeah. Like it is not like it's not traditional and no. it not scary like a lot of the time but then like you know that there's a chance something then really bad's going to happen right yeah. now. And it's also that
0: like 70s pre like the real crystallization of what makes horror. And I think that there's more room at that point in time. Yeah,
1: definitely. Because, yeah. I mean, we talked about this in Psycho, too, where Psycho is an early movie. Right. And it also isn't, like, a traditional horror, but, like, traditional horror is the way that we know it didn't really exist. Exactly. At this time. Yeah.
0: So he drops the tooth because he's so surprised. Yeah. Which is understandable. And he's like, fuck, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm also understandable. And also, like, they have equipment to track the shark, but Brody doesn't know how to use it, so there's really no way of them knowing whether the shark is nearby or not while Hooper's under the water. Yeah. So Hooper's like, okay, I'm not gonna waste my time. I'm just gonna go.
1: So they go. Um And they try and take this info the next day to the mayor and be like, we found this tooth. Like, we know it's not that. Like, we opened up the other shark and he's like, well, where's the tooth? And we're like, okay, well, we dropped it. Yeah. And, and he's like, cool, that's not real.
0: Then. Like, I'm not gonna do anything. Which is like, dude, why would these people be lying to you? Yeah. But anyway, so he still won't close the the beaches. Hooper's like, this is a
1: fucking great white shark. Yeah, they add some like lifeguards and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they try and like beef like... up security a little bit so that way if something gets spotted, they can get everyone out of the water in time. Yeah, they got, like a shark watch situation. Um, but on Fourth of the July weekend, it's completely packed out on the beaches, but. There's a good amount of people who actually just aren't swimming. And at some point, the mayor, like, encounters this kind of older couple being like, hey, so why aren't you in the water? And they're like, oh, I'm just waiting for my sunscreen to set in. He's like, can you please go in the water? And (laughs) they go in.
0: Yeah. They're And so there's, like, a couple of, like, sort of pranks around the shark situation. Like, a billboard is graffitied, um, which is actually, I think, hilarious. It's so good. And it's weird because the mayor is like, oh, now everyone is finding out about the shark. This is all your fault. But it's like... 'Cause there's so there's like a lady lying out on like a beach, like on a float in the water and somebody has like graffitied in like a shark fin and the lady being like, Help shark and like her face is now like screaming and it's like
1: not the same style. It's really silly looking. It's very famous. You can find it online.
0: And so he's talking to Hooper about it. He's like, you brought all this stuff in here. Like, now people are thinking about this. And Hooper's like, well, people think this because there is a shark out there and you won't close the beaches so that it will stop eating people so that we can catch it. And also, like,
1: a kid was eaten in front of everyone by a shark. Obviously, they know that there is a shark. Right. And he's also like, by the way... The, they got it right in this picture.
0: Like, that is how big the shark is in comparison to people. Like, it is really fucking big. It is a huge problem, and everyone knows about it. And the guy's like, fuck you. Yeah. And then these kids get caught.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are these two little kids who, like, create a cardboard fish or shark fin Mm -hmm. and they're swimming around people start freaking out and my favorite thing is the amount of times because i saw this happens like at least three times in the shot where Mm -hmm. a like grown man pushes kids off of a floaty (laughs) and then steals the floaty to try and get away (laughs) like this happens at least two (laughs) times maybe three times in this series of things really brings out people's true colors when there's a shark near you um but everyone sees this and freaks out and um the lifeguards start screaming like everyone needs to get out of the water they're blowing the whistles and Mm -hmm. screaming that it's a shark and the mayor's freaking out like don't say that it's a shark. Um, but while this is happening, a real shark, our our real big boyfriend... Um, our shark boyfriend. Shark boyfriend. <clears throat> um, goes into the little pond estuary area where Brody's son is in his little boat.
0: Yeah, so they're all like on the beach freaking out
1: and then all of a sudden somebody's like shark in the estuary shark in the estuary there's one woman who's like walking over there and that happens she's like the only one who sees it yeah and so Brody's like shit my son is
0: in the estuary well at first he's like in the pond cause he like told him to go over to the pond cause it would be safer
1: yeah because it is supposed to be safer yeah um But he actually doesn't even believe it at first, because he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, like, what is happening now? And then his wife is like, that's where our son is. He's like, oh, my God. And that's when he runs over. Yeah. But he wasn't even taking it seriously, because a prank had literally just been pulled. Right, exactly. So they get over there, and his son is obviously fucked up for having
0: seen this. But what happens is that the shark eats a boater. Like, just... He like He's yanking him along in his boat, and then he kills him and eats yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, and it's really fucked up. And finally, Vaughn, whose son was also there, is like... Vaughn is the mayor, by the way. Uh, his son is also, like, in that area. And he's like, okay, I get it. We do probably need to do something do about it. I think
1: favorite thing is the next day, or is, like, later that day at the hospital, because they take the... Um, Brody's son goes to the hospital because he's in shock. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, he's okay, but... Right so Brody goes out into the hallway and is talking to the mayor and he's like hey so we're gonna pay this guy whatever the fuck he wants we're gonna give him what he wants you're gonna sign this right now and the mayor's like I don't know like I might need to take it and they're like no you're gonna do it now and he's like that's when he says like well my son was there too and Mm -hmm. he ends up signing it yeah so
0: it all works out they get uh, Quint, Brody, and Hooper into a boat because no one else wants to go out on this fucking shark chase it's such like a mismatch of characters it is because Brody is terrified of the water yes And Quint is a lunatic and Hooper is like this well-educated college kid. So like Hooper and Quint have a lot in common, but Quint hates Hooper because Hooper is like a college boy and has never like done a hard day's work. And he has like money counting hands or whatever he calls Mm -hmm. them. And Hooper doesn't like Quint because Quint keeps being a dick to him, and Brody
1: doesn't want to be there at all. Yep.
0: So it's fun. It's great. It's great. But there is
1: a great scene where they all get drunk and like sing a sea shanty together over the night. And I'm like, how do all three of these people from very different backgrounds? Because like Brody is from New York City. Yeah. Um, you got Hooper who's like the rich college kid. Yeah. And then you got Quint. And, yeah. like, how do all three of them know this song? Yeah, I can see, like, Quint and Hooper having that as something in because common. They're because they're both like, islanders. Yeah,
0: and, like, Hooper would have been out on boats and, like, would probably have been around those older guys. Brody didn't spend any time on boats. Maybe
1: Brody's just, like, guessing as things go along. He, he also doesn't join in until later. They talk about how he also would, like, whenever he was on a ferry, he would, like, wait in the car because, like, he was so scared of the water. <laughs> um, but So they go out onto the the boat, and Quint's boat
0: is called the Orco, and the Orca is... The only natural predator for a great white shark.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hey. Fun facts,
0: y'all. Um, and so
1: Brody's out there, like, putting out chum to, like, try to tempt the <gasps> shark. This is, I think, also the shark in. not exactly a jump scare, but kind of. It's really good. Um, Where Brody's like throwing out stuff. and They're just in the middle of a conversation, like nothing's going on. And then all of a sudden the giant shark like pops up behind him eating the chum.
0: I read an interesting thing about the musical choices in this, which is every other time in the movie that the shark shows up, you hear the da-da, 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 you know. So Mm -hmm. like you're prepared for that to be shark. And when it's a fake shark situation, like when it's the kids, you don't hear that.
1: Oh, interesting. So by the time you get
0: there, your brain is like, in a way, like if there's music, then there's the shark. If there's no music, not no the shark. shark. When this shark appears, no music. So it's like it's a surprise. surprise. It completely takes you by surprise. So they're like, fuck, that's bad. Quint's like, this thing is 25 feet long. That's fucking bonkers. Um, so they attach these flotation barrels. Yeah, they shoot like a harpoon into it that has a yeah. rope attached, and then it has a flotation barrel. So the goal is you put enough flotation barrels, the shark can't go under, you can keep an eye on the shark, and you can kill it.
1: But to the fact that it is a twenty-five foot shark that weighs three tons, it like, gets away. It gets away really easily off of the one flotation barrel. Yeah, so they're like shit. So they
0: decide they're gonna hang out. This is where Brody's famous line, "You're gonna need a bigger boat," comes in. When he first sees it, he's like, "That's how he tells the guys." He's like, "Oh, you're gonna need a bigger boat." And then yeah. the rest of the scene, he's just like, "Can we go get a bigger boat? Can we please go get <laughs> he asks a bigger so boat?" So many he times, asks him, like, like, "Can we please times. go get another boat, please?" please and please, Quinn's please. like, "Ha ha!" And he's like shooting at the water, and like he's like, "We'll stay out here all night." Um that's the night, and they all get drunk together and sing. Yeah. And, um, and right before that, so Quint and Hooper are, like, exchanging, like, scar stories. I guess Brody probably has some scars because he was a New York City policeman, but, like, yeah. he doesn't have the kind of scars they have. So, like, he's kind of staying out of it. Hooper's, like, got all this shit from being, like, stung by a manta ray and, like, bitten by a smaller shark. And the, so they're
1: kind of going back and forth on that one. And Quint's stories, though. Oh, my God. He just gets really intense.
0: Yeah, so it gets around to... Um, Brody points out a removed tattoo on his arm, or like a scar on his arm. And he goes, "Oh, that's a tattoo that I got removed." And Hooper's like drunk and he's joking around. He's like, oh, what want to say, I just say mother." And so they're joking. And Quint sort of like leans over and like puts his hand on his arm, like, "Don't joke right now," and tells him it was for the USS Indianapolis. And like immediately, you see Hooper's face change because that is a real event.
1: Oh, I didn't that know. That Hooper probably
0: would have known about, and it happened not exactly the way he tells it in the story, but similar, where. It was in World War Two, and they, like, the ship got hit by a couple of Japanese um, torpedoes and went down. And because it was the ship that was delivering um, the bomb to, Her- to Hiroshima, they couldn't send out a distress signal because nobody knew that they were there. So according to his speech that he gives about this event, they didn't even get reported missing for like a week. So he's talking about how all of these guys were stuck in the water. Eleven hundred men went in, and three hundred and sixteen came out because these sharks were circling. And so it it explains why he was afraid of sharks. Yeah. Why he hates sharks so much? Because basically he was floating out in the water for days on end, surrounded by sharks. Surrounded by sharks, just watching his friends and his like like fellow soldiers just getting get, yeah, yeah getting eaten and hearing the screaming and seeing the blood in the water and shit like that. So it's. Definitely one of the most intense scenes in a movie that has a lot of intense scenes. Um, and it's just a guy telling a story on a boat, which is it's fucking really unreal. well done. Robert Shaw is unbelievable in that scene. And you should, I mean, you should watch the whole movie, but definitely make sure you're paying attention during that part.
1: Yeah. Um, so but, then to lighten the mood, they say, show me the way to go. Yeah, which, yeah. and But while they're all like singing and being, because like, they all kind of bond that night. I think they're definitely closer than they were before. I think Quint and Hooper kind of have a little bit more mutual respect. Not a ton, but more than they previously did. Um, But the shark returns and keeps, like, attacking the boat without them noticing for a bit, because they're all fucking drunk. And uh, things get bad. And they're like, fuck, okay, we gotta go get this fucking shark. And so
0: Brody tries to call for the Coast Guard, and Quint is just on, like, the fucking wildest level at this point. And he smashes the receiver so that they can't bring anyone else in, and it's just gonna be them versus the shark. It does not go over well. No. um, Decision-wise. So they've been out there for like a full 24 hours. And it's early morning. They have not slept. They're all a little bit drunk. And they're trying to fucking track down the shark. Um, So they hit it with a couple more um, harpoons, like, to get more barrels onto it. They try to tie it to the boat, but then it, like, rips away and
1: it nearly sinks the boat. Yeah, they do actually get enough. Um, barrels on it that the shark can't go down for very long. Right, and they don't even think, the, they get three barrels
0: and Quint's like, no shark can stay under with three barrels on it.
1: And it goes under and it stays
0: under for longer than it should be able to. Longer
1: than it should be able to because it's like very strong but it can't stay under indefinitely. But what it does manage to do is get underneath the boat. Yep. And then it pops up and,
0: and like demolishes part of the boat. Yeah. So Quint decides that he's like, he says he's gonna head towards the shore to like draw the shark into shallower water and all that stuff. Um, But then he, like, pushes the damage engine, like, super, super hard, and it completely burns it out because he doesn't want to go back in. He wants to stay out with the shark and kill the shark. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop doing this
1: to all of our stuff. And so um, shortly after that, Hooper, who brought this giant cage aboard the boat with him, the shark cage specifically so if a shark attacks the cage like it'll be okay yeah um he decides he's gonna go in and try and actually be in the water and kill the shark from inside the water because has like, like a, a good poison shot. dart yep. and he's gonna like he's a carpoony type thing yeah they apply a ton of poison to it mm-hmm. and he's wearing a scuba gear and they lower him in and unfortunately it doesn't go that well no so he has
0: it he has the shark in his sights at first and he started heading in the right direction then the shark goes away and then the shark comes up from behind him while he's like getting ready and knocks the thing out of his hand and it drops outside of the cage. And yeah like, that bumped. was not
1: the best decision. Best no. like tie it to
0: yourself maybe? Keep so- it in the cage until the shark is
1: in front of you. Yeah um, but he drops it and the shark keeps attacking the cage, attacking the cage and this is actually really cool because they intersperse like real shots of a shark attacking like a real cage yeah. within the shots of like the um, fake shark mm-hmm. and it looks pretty realistic at times. I mean, it's really cool. And it's like we
0: you know, kind of mentioned, a lot of times the mechanical shark does not look great and you can tell it's fake. It's really cool to see a real shark in action yeah. during these scenes. And you can't get a sense of how big it is because it's... There's
1: no one because in the Also, shot. because you're underwater. Yeah. And, like, you just don't fully. Like, everything just, just feels cut
0: off. Interestingly, you know? so that you can't really get a sense of where things are. And
1: um, Hooper, actually, the, I mean, the shark completely destroys the part of the cage. And, like, his entire head is in it, but Hooper's able to get out. Mm-hmm. And he swims away. But the reason why they did that... Is because when they
0: were shooting, uh, when they got the footage, it was like off the coast of Australia where there are actual giant big sharks, not that big, but like... But great whites exist down there. Yeah. Um, but they didn't put a real person in the cage, obviously. So they, there was just an empty cage. And so when they got that footage, they were like, well, we got to use this. But
1: there's no one in the cage. Because there's this amazing so... shot of the shark like on top of the cage. Yeah. Where it's like thrashing around. It's getting kind of caught in like the rope a little bit mm-hmm. and is like fucking with the cage. And so yeah. just, it's so cool, but- Yeah, but there's no Hooper in the cage, so Hooper has to get away. So Hooper escapes the cage and he goes down and kind of like hides behind a rock underwater. Yeah. Um, And meanwhile, the the shark fucking pops
0: on up and just like belly slams into the side of like the back of
1: the orca. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, that does it for the orca, pretty much.
1: Also kind of for the shark.
0: Like, neither of them are going to last a long time after yeah. that
1: Yeah, and then before that happens, you see Brody and uh, Quint, like, take up the cage, and mm-hmm. thinking that he's still going to be inside of it, the yeah. cage is destroyed. So they're assuming the Hooper's dead. Right. And so they're on the boat. They're trying to get away. They're trying to get away. And
0: everything is sliding back towards the shark yeah. because it's so much weight on the back of the boat. And Quint is hanging on, and then this, like, CO2 canister that they mentioned is very explosive previously in the movie. Hits him in the hand, and he loses his grip, and he slides all the way down, and he gets uh, eaten
1: very violently. Oh, lots it's super of violent. blood,
0: like spurting out of his mouth. Oh, God. And out of the wounds, and, and he's like getting chomped on in the middle section. He's trying to hack at him with a machete. And this was
1: one of those scenes where I was like, "Why isn't this rated like so much worse?" Yeah, it's not a PG. An movie. It's not a
0: PG movie at all. If you had to pick between PG and R, I'd totally pick. I would say R. R. Yeah,
1: definitely. But Quint gets eaten.
0: hmm R.I.P. R. Uh, R. the
1: R.I.P. Quint. But he also eats a, a, a CO2 canister.
0: He does. And so there's a CO2 canister, like, lodged in his Like, cheek. the side of his mouth. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so... Um, Brody manages to get away, the shark kind of comes after him but he manages to get up on the mast of the ship which is like almost completely Yeah, the the ship is just sinking and sinking and She's sinking he's like three feet out of the water at this point and it's like getting
1: horizontal and so the shark like swims away and it's coming back towards him and he's shooting, he's like show me your mouth like I yeah. want to see the canister and then he goes smile you son of a bitch and he shoots him And it hits the canister, and And the the shark explodes. Fucking thing goes up, and it's crazy. Like at this point, the mass is—he's literally in the water at this point. Yeah, (laughs) it's amazing. And then Hooper pops up, and he's like, "Hey!" And he's like, "Hey!" And And they both like burst out laughing, and they're like laughing, laughing, laughing. They're like Quint, and he's like, "No." And then they're, like, not laughing as much anymore. But still, like, kind of. I think it's one of those, like, oh, God, what did we just survive? And how are we yeah. still alive type of moments? And then they kick their way on back to shore. Yep. And it's nice. He's like, And then uh, and then everyone's real fucked up forever, probably. But Bro- Brody's like, you know, I used to hate the water. And Hooper says, I wonder why. <laughs> and those are the last uh, lines in the movie. It's beautiful. Uh, all right. <laughs>
0: um, and it's a great movie. Honestly. It is really well done. Like we said, a little long in some parts. Like, a, some of the stuff that they do to kind of get an like an eye on where the shark is, probably didn't really need to be there. It could have been cut and it could have kind of moved along a little it was faster. Re-
1: the boat stuff was really long. Yeah, um, And overall, it's a long movie. I think part of it's that the boat stuff I think it's supposed to feel like a long time because it feels like a long time for those who are on the boat that's true so they want it to stretch out a little bit because it's stretching out for them right but the rest of the movie kind of stretches out and was only supposed to take the place over a couple days yeah like, felt I like think, a couple days watching it yeah which I feel like it would have actually felt more like how quickly things are moving if they'd cut it a little bit faster
0: yeah um so as we mentioned this was originally a book um and the idea to, to turn the book into a movie came from the producers came from the producers of the movie, uh, David Brown and Richard D. Zanuck. Um, And they read the book before it was published, and they they loved it. It was a great book. It ended up being a huge hit. Um, People really, really liked it. They did mention that if they had read it more than once before they decided to commit to it, they probably would not have gone through with it, because, like, it's a... Difficult movie to
1: make. Yeah,
0: it was a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, and like it's probably easier now. Like I mean, the Meg just came out, right?
0: Yeah, and there's so much With more. you Even do in CGI, shark. the biggest shark anyone's ever seen, the Megalodon. The Megalodon. Anyway,
1: um, it's there's a lot of um physical practical effects they had to go through to make this damn shark. Yeah, and like expensive and time consuming, and
0: yeah, so it was kind of a nightmare. Um, but they didn't realize that in advance, and they were like, "Great, let's do it. Let's make Jaws." And so they hired on Steven Spielberg, who was 27 years old. He's so like I am 27. Yeah, imagine
1: if we were making a movie right now. If we were
0: making Jaws right now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. True. Like damn, he's the same age as Richard Dreyfuss in the movie, who people just keep calling a kid the entire time. I wonder if he did that on purpose. Maybe I don't know. I think he. They changed a lot of the characters from the book apparently to the movie because like no one in the book is likable at all, and like Hooper like fucks Brody's wife in the
1: book. What? God damn <laughs> so it. in the
0: book apparently Brody Brody's wife is like an ex girlfriend of Hooper's older brother, and so they know each other. And so then they, like, start flirting and they, like, apparently have an affair. And Hooper is also kind of a dick in the book. Hooper is an angel in the movie. I love him in this movie. He is
1: a snarky little pain in the ass. And I adore him. And so it looks like the... And so this was a second movie that Spielberg had ever directed.
0: Yeah, I got a, a couple... Conflicting kind of sources on that because one said that it was like they hired him because his uh, directorial like theatrical debut that he had just done that just came out was really good, and then I also read some stuff that indicated that this ended up being his third. So I'm not really 100 percent sure how that timeline works out. It looks like he's done a, he did a couple
1: according to IMDb. It looks like he did a couple of TV movies. Yeah, maybe that. And then he'd only done one like theatrical movie. Yeah, that might be what it is. The Sugarland Express. Yeah. Um, very different from this, apparently. I have not seen it, but I it haven't either. Sounds very different.
0: Yeah, so this is not bad for a twenty-seven-year-old second piece of work. Not at all. You know, no. theatrical piece of work. Um, but one of the issues that did come with a less experienced filmmaker is that Steven Spielberg wanted it to feel very authentic, which is great.
1: But he wanted to shoot on the ocean. Which why? Why would you do that? I feel like there are you can make these like big tanks look really realistic. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is if you can watch the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie with the Kira Knightley and Jack Davenport commentary, Oh, they are so funny. But she's like, look, there I'm in the Caribbean. There I'm not. There I am. <laughs> there I'm not. That's a tank that was really warm there. There it was cold. And like, so she goes and she's like, OK, she tells you exactly which shots were done in a tank and which shots were not. And it's super interesting because yeah. you uh, learn a little bit more about the movie Magic.
0: That is really cool. And yeah, when I was working at Paramount, like one of the parking lots at Paramount is a water tank that they can, like, if they need it for a water shot, they'll just have
1: people park somewhere else and fill it up with water. I think it was the shot where she uh, falls into the water um, from when she's, like, at the thing and she has the corset on and she can't breathe. So she falls and she's like, look, I fall in the Caribbean and I land in Los Angeles.
0: (laughs) But that makes sense because when you're in Los Angeles and you're you're on a set, like, you have control over the body of water that your actor is falling into. Which makes a lot of sense. And even,
1: like, you have control over the temperature of the water. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: Spielberg later acknowledged that it was probably not a great idea to try to film all of the water scenes on the actual open ocean.
1: Probably not. People,
0: I mean, I read, like, there are a couple, um, like, companion pieces or books and stuff that go along with this. People are like, we were just all so sunburnt and, like, (laughs) just miserable out there. Like, it was horrible. It was awful. And then the giant mechanical shark was a fucking nightmare.
1: yeah
0: because it was supposed to be waterproof, I guess. but was it waterproof against regular water I don't or salt think water that's the, that's the thing I don't think that it was waterproof against salt water. So the salt water got in there and it like made it puffy and weird and it yeah. got like really and then it would sink down to the bottom because salt water is a different density than regular water so the shark wouldn't work out in the ocean. Which is why so much of the movie, you don't see the shark at all. Which I think was actually, like, one of those
1: things where it was an accident, but made the movie better.
0: Oh, I definitely agree. I think if you could have seen the shark during any of the, like, attack scenes, they would not have been scary. Yeah. There's something about that, like, just being out there and you don't know where it
1: is, and it just grabs you and pulls you under that's like, that's terrifying. And I think, like, especially when you start seeing, like, some of the slasher movies and stuff like that, like, you don't see, I guess, I mean, Jason's mom, like, mrs Voorhees, like mm-hmm. do any of the killing you find the dead bodies right and that's really scary um and even like halloween it's kind of the same thing where, like you're like where is he like what's going to happen is yeah that, like, question mark is what makes it scary and so i think it works well here i actually think that the shark in jaws has a lot in common with slasher serial it killers. does yeah.
0: um i even noticed at the beginning you see the shark you see from the shark's pov Mm-hmm. Which is something that then you see in Halloween and you see in Friday the thirteenth and you've seen a ton of other movies. And like I think that. it's
1: because it's supposed to be like you are um like I guess Michael or Jason or Jason's mom, like they're mm-hmm. supposed to be predators, and so it's yeah. like you get to see through the eyes of a predator, but in Jaws it's literally a predator. Exactly.
0: And you are literally seeing these people as just prey, and you kind of understand like why if there's just like a leg kicking around, that's appealing to a shark yeah you kind of get that disjointed view where you're like oh right that's what they're dealing with that's what they're up against and it kind of adds a layer of fear also it's very hard to kill
1: i do really like that like recently movies have been kind of going in the direction of following the killer the entire time yeah i've noticed that a little bit um it was like that for the new halloween movie like we knew where michael was the entire time we followed him more often and i can't remember what it was there's another movie i just watched recently Oh, it was all of all of American Horror Story Cult. I watched the entire oh, season. In I haven't seen that yet. A day. Damn. Um, yeah. Well, I was cleaning and like doing laundry and stuff like that, and so I had it on in the background. Right. Um, and there were times to just sit and watch it. But the entire time like you know exactly what's going through um, like Evan Peters' head. And you mm-hmm. know why he's doing what he's doing. It's never like a question, but in a way that makes it scarier cuz you're actually like looking into the mentality of the killer and Ooh, all I like that. it. And so it is like a different I think this movie is very, like, traditional. Yeah. I do think it's interesting how that's been being straight away from recently, though.
0: Yeah. I like that. That's kind of cool. In terms of it being more traditional, I was actually reading, um, there's a-, a collection of essays by Robin Wood, who is, like, a horror film critic that I have. And in one of them, he talks about sort of, like, the reaction to the way that violence is handled in like earlier like slasher like Gorn movies from like the early 70s or the late 60s where like things are really brutal and you have things like The Exorcist where it's like within the family unit and in some reactionary films to that you start to see um, like an inhuman type of killer that's coming along and it's sort of this external threat that's like attacking a more stable family and I think that Jaws is sort of like the ultimate Example of that where it's literally not a human mm-hmm. and it's literally there to a stat, like attack a an establishment on the 4th of July. Like the most American thing in the entire world is 4th of July weekend on Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, like that's pretty American. And there's just this shark coming in and trying to fuck it up for everybody god damn it John! and it's almost like this more traditional take on like what a horror story should be it's like. I think
1: that makes a lot of sense
0: yeah I thought that was interesting and I, I know there's much more to his whole theory but honestly I did not have time to get into he's a very interesting writer but also like there's a lot happening in yeah. his, his essays so I didn't really have the time to get all the way into it so um, hopefully I'll have some more interesting uh, opinions in future episodes for sure when I can read more about that <laughs> and if I'm not accurately interpreting his work I apologize Because there's a chance of that, too. Um, Yeah, so we got the shark problems. We got some actor problems on set here. Uh, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss did not get along, which I think is funny because their characters also did not get along.
1: Yeah. I I mean, maybe it just made it more realistic. I would think so. Or do you think it's maybe it's because they had to be antagonistic on set that they ended up actually antagonistic in person as well? I think that might be part of it. Um, but also, it sounds like uh, Robert Shaw was having some issues.
0: Yeah, so one of the stories that I heard is, like, right before they shot the, like, USS Indianapolis scene. They'd, like, written that whole scene, and, like, Robert Shaw is apparently a playwright, and so he, like, helped with the the scene, like, with the script. Um, but he also had a lot of drinking problems, and he had apparently just been caught fucking his nanny by his wife. And so the first time that they did a pass on that, he like gave this weird, super drunk take where he was like talking about how a shark is like your wife when she finds out you've been fucking the nanny and all this like really personal shit. And Steven Spielberg was like,
1: "Uh, Uh,
0: what do I do? So it just kept rolling and they just shot it that way. And then the next day (laughs) when Robert Shaw had sobered up he like came back and he was like, I'm really sorry. That was really weird. I don't know why I did it that way. Let's redo it. And then he sat down and banged out. The actual speech that he does in the movie, which, which is, is so like, good. holy shit, it's amazing. It's, oh uh, God, an incredible monologue. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I don't know, I think that they, yeah, the, the antagonism between the two comes across really well in the characters as well.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you don't like everyone you meet. No. It's okay if occasionally you get into little fights off screen. Yeah. And the movie turned out well, they both got paid, they gotta go home. Yeah. Good job, everyone and it almost makes that
0: scene it kind of adds like a double layer because as I understand it Richard Dreyfus was obviously very impressed with his delivery when he finally you know did the USS Indianapolis scene so it kind of adds a layer of that to like that guy developing the respect for this like guy who up to that point has just been this like drunk lunatic yeah no that makes sense really busting out an intense an intense story yeah which I like one thing that I like that I mentioned is that, like, they don't really use red anywhere else in this movie. Like, there's some red
1: on the boat, I guess. Um, a little like bit. It's like like stuff. a darkish red. It's not like a blood red.
0: Yeah, but, like, nobody, none, at least not a lot of the characters are wearing red in their costumes or in their beach wear or anything like that. And it's all, you know, it's set on in uh, New England in the summertime, like, on a beach town, so it's all that, like, gray shingle. So there's a lot of, like, light colors and a whole different vibe, and then, so when the blood comes up in the water, it's like,
1: fuck! Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really th- shocking. I think it also works in terms of, like, psychology of color, because usually, like, blues are considered very peaceful colors, and mm-hmm. you have, like, this fucking blood show up in, like, a color that's supposed to be very peaceful. Yeah. And I think that kind of works to create that sense of, like, oh, fuck, what's going on? Yeah, they did an amazing job of building that tension without showing
0: stuff a lot. Yeah. And there's, there is gore in it, but there's not, like, you don't see a lot of the actual murders like you were talking about. Like, you don't see a lot of the bodies of the people after they've been attacked they don't even enjoy
1: again that one single floating leg just going through the water yeah that was fucked
0: up that was pretty fucked
1: up with like a trail of red yeah but they don't show like when the kid gets eaten you don't see any
0: of his stuff when the girl gets eaten everyone else reacts to it but you don't actually see actually see it you do see when um brody's talking to his wife about sharks she's looking through one of his books and you there's like a really detailed picture of a shark attack victim and it's Fucked up. Mm, (laughs) That was, like, enough for the rest of the movie for me to be like, okay, I get it. I understand how bad bad. it's going to be. Like, it's going to be really, really
1: rough. Um, I guess when Quint dies, that's pretty violent. Yeah, that's probably, I would say, the most violent. Which makes sense. It's kind of, like... You need to give, like, this heroic-ish character... Yeah, it's a climax. Half heroic, half evil, half... Yeah... He's got some crazy. weird, he reminded me of Jack Torrance. Yeah, I actually see that a lot. I didn't see it at first, and like, cause I remember talking to you, I was like, so what did you mean by that? And I, when I asked that, it was like, before he destroyed the boat engine and all that stuff. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was like right when that happened, too. So it was like, it's happening now. Look at it. Just keep watching,
0: Maddie. Yeah. Like, he starts out crazy, but like understandable. And then when they finally get out there, he's just like
1: smashing shit to keep them there. And it's kind of like the whole isolationist thing, too. Yeah. Like, the longer he spends with just these two people away from everyone else, the crazier he gets.
0: Yeah. And then, obviously, there's a clear Captain Ahab
1: reference yes, there. Yes, 100%. It's what he's
0: been hunting his whole life. It's the giant shark instead of the giant whale. But, you know, he's got this personal connection to it, and he's going to be the one who's going to take it down. Nobody else is going to be the one who takes it down. Ultimately, no, he will not let other people come in and help. It no. needs to be him. Not that yeah. he
1: actually is the one who takes it down in the end. Um No. But he gets it right up there and he d-
0: gets it distracted. So that's something. That's true. I guess. Kind of. Gets a few good machete hacks in.
1: Yeah. I mean, he does have um, different overall motivations than Jack Torrance did. In yeah. the sense that, like, Jack was there to kind of, like, create something for himself. That's, like, why they originally went to the place because he wanted to be a writer. He wanted to get away. He actually needed a job and the money. And this guy is more like this personal vendetta Yeah, he's just going to fucking kill this shark. Yeah. He does not like this shark. Which I get. In both cases, there's like an obsession that is created. Yeah.
0: Obviously, Jaws builds on a lot of things. There's sort of a monster movie element to it, disaster movie element. Um, But I think what's most important about Jaws is its legacy, which honestly is not that much in the horror genre. No. Like we said, this is kind of one with one foot in and one foot out of the genre. And most of its legacy kind of revolves around action movies and specifically the summer blockbuster. Yeah,
1: because it was like one of the first times you have a huge wide opening. Like it was shot or... It opened on 409 screens. Which sounds quaint now. It does. Usually the big ones are like 1800 screens these days, but still, like for 1975, that was huge.
0: Right. So the way that would typically work in 1975 is if you had a good movie that you were expecting to get good reviews, you would open it in a few small theaters, like probably New York LA markets type situation, which they'll still do for smaller stuff now, let it get good word of mouth out and then spread it wider out to the rest. If you had a bad movie, put it out everywhere, don't give anybody a heads up, people will go see it, who gives a shit? What Jaws did was they opened it wide, comparatively wide, for 1975, and also did a media blitz behind it. So they were like, trailers, ads, print campaigns, watch it, it's going to be scary, like, check it out. And so then when it opened, people were like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go see Jaws. They made a shit ton of money. And it got good reviews for the most part. Some of them were like, this is going to be dumb and nobody will like this movie later on, which is, I love reading those reviews. I love it. When they're just like wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The LA times, I think reprinted their original review from 1975 and they were like, fuck that one up. Didn't we? Like we got that (laughs) super wrong. That's so good. (laughs) Which I think is so funny. Um, but I mean, it worked out. It was the highest grossing film of all time until star Wars was released. Which yeah. is, obviously, no one can compete with Star Wars. No one can still compete with Star Wars.
1: No. It's still going strong. It is going very, I think Avengers can compete with Star Wars a little bit, but they're both uh, Disney, so... Yeah. Just Disney owns everything. They our, do. Our mouse-eared overlords. <laughs> oh, another reason that
0: the summer blockbuster became big around this time is that um, theaters started getting air conditioning.
1: Oh, yeah. So people were like, great, I'll go there. I mean, there times I did that with cool. my mom. Like, we'd go, it would yeah. be a really hot day, and be like, okay, let's go see a movie because it's cold in there. Exactly.
0: So they kind of went hand-in-hand, hand, but Jaws was, like, the blockbuster. There's an episode
1: of Entourage about that. Really? Yeah. I never watched Entourage. It's okay. Yeah. Um, there's
0: a lot of classic sp- Spielberg moves here. Um, obviously they weren't the use classic of- Spielberg yet. They weren't. In their baby
1: intro Spielberg, they worked well. And you're like, know. okay, let's keep doing this.
0: So one of the things is that he used uh, actors that people didn't really know. I guess um, George Lucas, who was a friend of his, had worked uh, with Richard Dreyfuss on um, American Graffiti. And so, like, they, they were not like new to the scene by any like by any stretch of the imagination um but he kind of used these people that you wouldn't know as well because one of the quotes that i found that i liked about it was um spielberg wanted to replicate that same familiarity with his characters audiences don't look for an obvious savior but rather identify with the real people swept up in an impossible situation and that kind of came from like they were initially talking about getting charlton heston to play brody then they're like if charlton heston's there everyone is going to know that charlton heston is going to survive because like yeah. it's charlton heston so instead they were like like we'll just bring in roy scheider he's still famous people will recognize him but like they won't assign that same value to him like they'll be op- more open-minded to anything happening to him you know
1: that makes sense yeah yeah and i think it's something you still see in a lot of horror movies like one to keep the budgets down right um so you don't have to pay them but two like i feel like i see a, i'm more likely to go see a movie actually with people i don't like probably or that I don't know necessarily for a horror movie than That's ones true. that have like really famous people because like maybe it's because of like the mid-2000s like Jared Padalecki and the fog and, like Paris Hilton and House of Wax oh and all my that god shit. yeah I'm probably mixing up who is and what I do know Paris Hilton was in House of Wax yeah but like just because
0: you know the people and it doesn't mean it's going to be good or even like you can recognize the people but if they don't like in Hereditary for example Tony Collette in my mind that character doesn't like fall in line with what I expect. Like I know Tony Clapp, but I don't have expectations you're right. I going in. You recognize her as an you know?
1: actress, um, but she's like the only one. Yeah,
0: also. I guess Nat Wolf or whichever Wolf. Like, there are people that you've seen and stuff, but you don't have like. It's not like they're casting Chris Pratt, and you're like, oh, Chris Pratt's going to be like an actiony, funny badass who's going to swoop in and save the day at the yeah. last night because that's who he plays every time he plays someone. You know, totally. It's more of a wild card situation. That makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I do think that that is hung on to horror, and I like that about horror.
1: I do th- I do too. I really think that having it's also a good way for like people to get their first roles, true,
0: you know? yeah. And if you can do well in a horror movie and get good reviews in a horror movie, you can probably do anything. yeah, it's true because there's always elements of comedy, always elements of you know, drama,
1: action, all that stuff. yeah, tends to show up in horror yeah. and speaking of the future of horror, This also kind of created the whole shark attack genre. Yeah.
0: Peter Benchley felt bad about this until he died, and he was, like, a shark activist later on.
1: (laughs) That's so sad. Yeah. I mean, I think people think sharks are really cool. They're just scared of them. Like, yeah. But also, like, sharks like the one in this movie don't still exist. That's true. Like, this is a 25-foot-long shark. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But then you have movies like The Meg, which we mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, which is supposedly like a prehistoric, like giant, giant shark that yeah. is much, makes Jaws look like a baby. Right. You have The Shallows, which just came out last year with Lake Lively. Right. I heard that was pretty good. I've heard really good things about it, too, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. I like her. I mean, you have uh, Open Water was one that I watched. Like, my dad, and my stepmom, and I all are certified scuba divers, and we we're like, let's watch this movie. And no. we watched it once, and they're like, let's never watch this
0: movie. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and there's great white obviously all the sharknado movies yeah it's like almost become its own parody thing which is funny because it's not a horror subgenre like shark attack movies are not
1: horror really Mm-mm. they're action Usually. I would I think say. It, the Shallows was more scary. Okay. But I think it's part of it's that you have a hard time picturing, like, a daytime beach movie, like, where you're in a swimsuit and shit, like, that translating to horror. Like, you yeah. don't see that very much. And so I think it's more like our own mental blocks than it is that it is actively a different genre. We just see it as a different genre, even though That's there's a true. lot of overlap. Because I will say one of the scariest movies or one of the
0: scariest scenes, I think, in almost any movie is the scene in Jaws where he's watching everybody on the beach and he knows that there is a shark out there. Yeah. Because you're like, this isn't where you expect there to be horror.
1: No one else is prepared for it, and something and so bad. You have is about someone to who's just like being so like willfully ignorant about it, who could help and isn't in terms of, like the mayor. Yeah, um, and like even the way the movie starts, it starts with a dark killing, and, and it's like a random girl who's killed by this violent thing, and you see her body parts later. Like that's a very stereotypical intro to a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, and that. she's even,
0: like, the naked, like, she's out in the water with her boobs out. Yeah, exactly. Like, about
1: to hook up with this drunk guy.
0: And then she gets murdered violently.
1: So Very classic horror. It really horror. fits the horror genre. Even it does. Though, like, the Meg, I think, is more fun and, like, a, a comedy, but also, like, has scary aspects. But I think The Shallows is supposed to actually be scary. Okay.
0: I'm gonna have to check that out. We'll see. Um, obviously there's other shark, -shark non-shark-centric movies that this has had an effect on, like, uh,
1: Alien. Yeah, we actually learned this in my entertainment marketing class, because we're taught about, like, how to position a film. And you always want to be, like, this new movie is, like, this other movie, but with this really cool thing. And so he always uses the example of, like, Alien is, like, Jaws, but in space. That is pretty much what Alien is. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Yeah. So... No CO2 canisters, unfortunately, though. No. We should do Alien. We should. It's a good movie. I think it's on our list. Cool.
0: We'll do it one of these days. I need to rewatch that. I was so afraid of it when I was a kid. I was
1: terrified, but my biggest thing was I just really didn't want the cat to die. Good news, the cat did not die. I saw the scene. Like, I walked in. For some
0: reason, it was playing on television in my aunt and uncle's living room during a family gathering. Solid. And I, like, walked in when I was, like, five or six, and it was the chest burster scene. Oh, no. And I just I just remember diving into the couch and just, like, burying my face in the pillows because I was so afraid of it. It was, like, the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life at I that watched point. it with
1: my mom, and I was so stressed out, and I was like, does the
0: cat die? Does the cat die? She's like, no, the cat doesn't die, because for
1: some reason I just only wanted the cat not to die. You have been the exact same person forever. I, I am. It's true. <laughs> I have, I'm just... Sure. I am yeah um, now I do care if people die for the record yeah that's but also good. like I still don't want the cat to die ideally I also read that Tremors is influenced by
0: this which makes <laughs> a Real, lot of the sense the whole like yep it's like if you think about like instead of the sand it's the water and instead yeah. of the worm what it's a you, shark
1: what um, listeners did not see was me moving my arms from under up and trying to like replicate like the shark coming up and killing someone that's above them I just don't did not I don't know how to put that it's like words. that but with a giant sandworm yes Yeah. Makes Check sense. it out. Tremors is a fun movie. So overall, I think the only real question is like, is this actually a horror movie? I'm
0: gonna go with yes. I think it's right on that edge. I think it I think it has enough strong horror elements that it counts as a horror movie. Cool. I think you know, I think with any genre there is room for interpretation. Like some things are comedies but also dramas, and it's hard to tell like where specifically on that line they fall. I think this is a horror thriller. And I think where you personally find it to fall on that line is kind of up to
1: you. Yeah. But I think it definitely has horror elements in it. Cool. I definitely feel the same way for the most part. I think that it, because of the lack of um, the definition of the genre, like, yes, we had, like, The Exorcist, which did come out a little bit before this then, and... That was like I guess a horror movie, but even yeah. then, it doesn't follow like any particular formula that we know. Right, it now. hadn't really settled into that yet. No, um, I mean the Omen was before this, right? And so you do have actual horror movies, but you don't have the horror genre as a
0: as it a whole still, hadn't been defined. Yeah, yet. it was it's still, still in works, And I
1: think that based on a lot of what we've talked about, a lot of the gore, but also a lot of, like, the scariness and not knowing what this monster is, and it's a monster movie. Yeah, and there's jump scares. I mean, I think that this is scarier than, like, Frankenstein, for example. Yeah, absolutely. More jump scares than that. Definitely. So I think if that counts as horror, this definitely counts as horror. I think so, too. But I do see how it's also a thriller. Yeah. There's so much overlap between the two.
0: There is. I want to leave us today with a... Uh, true crime mystery fact about this which is the story of the lady of the dunes which may or may not actually have anything to do with jaws at all so in 1974 um a woman's body was discovered uh in the dunes near the water in provincetown massachusetts she was she'd been brutally murdered uh she was never identified And her killer was never found, although I guess at this point someone has confessed, but it's not clear whether or not he was confessing for attention or if he actually did it, whatever. Um, She was wearing a white shirt, I believe in a blue bandana. uh, And they put together like a composite of what her face would have looked like during her life. Um, And actually, we can bring this back to Stephen King because his son, Joe Hill, was familiar with the case because they are a New England family. And he was watching Jaws. And during the scene where everyone is arriving for the 4th of July weekend, there is a woman, an extra, who is right up in front of the camera who is wearing a white shirt and a blue bandana and looks a lot like the Lady of the Dunes. And so he found that and he was like, okay, so she would have been, this would have been shot over the summer in 1974, which was right around the time that her body was found. She would have been a hundred miles away from where her body was found at this point. Which she could have been staying somewhere else. Yeah, Yeah, she could have gone to meet someone. And her body could have been dropped off. Exactly. Also, this was a... Well, they think that she died there because she was lying face down. Like, it seems like she was asleep on the beach or something like that. And someone attacked her. Or she knew the person she was with. So 100 miles isn't that far. It's not far. And she could have, you know, gone down to another part of the beach for a day trip or something like that. Also, it would explain why in a small beach town, no one knew her. Mm -hmm. No one could identify her. If she'd come in from somewhere else to be an extra in this movie very easily she could have you know been a stranger to the area and maybe you know her family didn't know she was there or something like that um nothing has really come of this i guess a couple people who were investigating like uh, were interested in it a couple other people have said it's you know it's nonsense it doesn't make any sense um so it's impossible to know we'll probably never know if the lady of the dunes was actually in jaws but um if you were that lady in that scene in Jaws and you are inexplicably listening to this podcast, uh, let someone know <laughs> that you're still around. Um, and if you do know anything about The Lady of the Dunes and you are also listening to this podcast but have never considered telling
1: anyone else about it for some reason, um, tell someone about that. You should tell someone about that so that she can get solved. And I'm going to go with the hot take that if this weren't a horror movie five minutes ago, it is now. Right? Yes. That's, I mean, that's... I don't want to make it sound like we're taking it lightly
0: because obviously what happened to that woman is very very tragic yes. and if it was really her then that's also very sad or either way it's very sad but like it definitely adds a layer of creepiness to this if yeah. that's true no, that's you know super creepy i never knew about that before now yeah it's interesting it's i think it's only a recent thing like i think he posted or like, wrote about it with yeah very somewhat recently oh um, wow yeah that's sad yeah anyway so that's Jaws. Uh, we had a great time talking about it up until that last part where it got super sad and real. Um,
1: what are we doing next week, Maddie? Next week, we're going to go real scary. Um, the past couple of weeks, we haven't been too scared of what we've been watching. It's a Little Light. So yeah. we're going to go real dark and go for The Hills Have Eyes. Get creepy, y'all. Get our Rob Zombie on. Yes.
0: Yeah, so next week we are going to be doing um, both the Rob Zombie and the original
1: Wes Craven, The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think that they do have obviously very different styles, but they're both super creepy. And we've talked lightly about Rob Zombie on this podcast before because he did have his Halloween remake. We've talked Wes Craven a bit because we did Scream. Mm -hmm. But let's see how the two... Horror auteurs compare. Yeah,
0: we're excited. I've never seen The Hills Have Eyes, either of them, so I am ready to never sleep again and never, ever go out to the nor, rural anywhere.
1: Nor have I. I already avoid going out to rural anywhere, which yeah. is good. Um, just going to have to never sleep again.
0: It's Great. Well, you guys, have a wonderful couple of weeks, and uh, we will be back to you, and um, we're looking forward to it. Have
1: a lovely long weekend. I hope you have a very romantic Valentine's Day. And we'll be chatting with you again soon. Take it easy. Love you. Mwah.